to Elevations, new perspectives on science, technology, education, and the arts. I'm your host, Amy Reynolds. How does our brain work? What actual processes take place for it to function? Your brain is a vast chorus of rhythms all interacting, nested in one another like harmonics. I want to know how these brain waves allow the brain to communicate with itself. Dr. Earl Miller is the Pickhower Professor of Neuroscience in the Pickhower Institute for Learning and Memory at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. He started on that path while earning his bachelor's degree at Kent State in 1985, later completing his PhD at Princeton. He's a pioneering researcher into the brain's neural basis of executive control, which includes working memory, attention, decision-making, and learning. Our understanding of the brain has significantly evolved over time, and he's the man to talk about it. Welcome, Dr. Miller. Thank you. There's been some significant change in the past several years in our understanding of the way the brain works. How did we used to understand it? Well, way back in the 20th century when I was a student, we used to think of the brain as kind of being like clockwork. Every part of the brain had one specific function. It did one thing and one thing only. The main building blocks of your brain are neurons, brain cells. There's hundreds and millions of them in your brain. And we used to think that each neuron had a one particular function, like gears in the clock, and then collections of neurons, different, different parts of your brain did something very specific. And that's not entirely wrong. Different parts of your brain do do different things. And now here in the 21st century, we now think of the brain as more of a product of emergent properties, interactions between the parts, not parts working in isolation one at a time, but the parts interacting together produce emergent properties like brain waves and dynamics and things that only happen, you can only see when, when the parts are, are working together. Why is it important to think about the brain this way now? Obviously, we want to know how it actually works, but what's the significance of this contemporary understanding? The way we thought about it before wasn't wrong. It was a necessary stepping stone to get to where we are now. I mean, if you want to figure out how something complex like the brain works, you first have to figure out its parts, and only then can you put the parts together. I think significance is just what you said, is how, how the brain actually works. It's, it's your brain it works by electrochemical signaling. It's a vast array of networks, and all these networks are going to interact together and influence one another. And that's really the way the brain works. And we also had technological limitations that prevented us from this more global, holistic, emergent property way we're thinking about the brain now. We Our technology limited us to study the brain only one piece at a time. But now we have advanced technology, we have faster computers, we have ways of studying the, these dynamics. So they give us insights into things we couldn't see before. Interactions like brainwave, it's becoming more and more obvious that that's where higher cognition lives in your brain. As our knowledge of the brain grows, what intrigues you the most about what we don't know yet? Consciousness. That's one of the big mysteries of brain function. Why, why are we aware of our thoughts? Uh, we have theories on why it's helpful to be aware of your of your thoughts, but why is it that you have a lifetime of knowledge stored in your head, like literally a lifetime of experience and knowledge, and yet you only can express a small portion of that at any one time. You only can really think about anything at one time, be aware of those conscious thoughts at any one time. It really is one of the biggest mysteries of, of brain function. And then, of course, another way of thinking about it is that hearing cognitive dysfunction in neuropsychiatric disorders, that's the next great frontier in neuroscience. And 
that kind of uh, insights into cognitive disorders are coming more fast and furious now than, than ever before because we have this more holistic way of thinking about the brain and we're actually studying the brain more on the level of what it actually does. With respect to studying consciousness, are there tools available now? You talked about sort of how the technology has evolved to, to allow us better opportunity to understand these complexities. Is that something you, you could see us understanding maybe in our lifetimes? I could see us understanding more in our lifetimes, and we are understanding more as each year passes. The main difference between the way we thought about the brain before and the way we think about it now in relation to consciousness is that this holistic approach is the level at which consciousness operates. Because um, what is consciousness? Consciousness is this unified whole of experience. When you're sitting in a room now, you have the feeling of, of what the room temperature is like. You have sights, you have sounds. It's all one integrated picture your brain puts together. So consciousness in the end is going to depend on your brain integrating a wide variety of information, getting your brain all on the same page. Consciousness is more a product of large pieces of your brain, not just one place in your brain. Probably it's it's a large bits of your cortex all synchronizing their rhythm, synchronizing their activity, synchronizing the information they carry. So one major um, theory of um, consciousness is integration of information. In order for an entity like your brain to be conscious, it has to be sufficiently complex and it has to integrate information. So what do I mean by complex? Let's say that I'm reviewing job applications. If I'm doing that alone, that's not a very complex system. Now I put a committee together of, let's say, a dozen people reading job applications. Now you have more of a complex system. There's more elements. But then the other key element is the um, integration of information. I have my committee of 12 people reviewing job applications. If we all review the application separately, don't really discuss it among ourselves and just vote at the end without much discussion. That's not going to be a very conscious system because there's no information integration. But if you have your committee all working together, discussing the applications, going back and forth and coming to a consensus, that would be a system with more consciousness. And that's what your brain needs to do. It needs to pull together all these complex elements and get them talking and integrating information, talking to one another and pulling things together like a really huge committee. Now, back when we studied the brain one piece at a time, we had no idea how the brain could put all this information on the same page. But now there has been advances in things like imaging techniques, multiple electrode recording, where we could study the electrical activity from thousands of brain cells at a time. And we could see how brain cells, neurons, how they synchronize their activity during states of, of consciousness. It's so fascinating. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us about this today. Sure, my pleasure, thank you. We've been talking with Dr. Earl Miller, Kent alumnus and Pickauer Professor of Neuroscience in the Pickauer Institute for Learning and Memory at MIT. Elevations is produced by Joe Gunderman and John Nungesser. I'm Amy Reynolds, Dean of Kent State's College of Communication and Information. Join us every Saturday morning on 89.7 and hear this and past interviews at wksu.org slash elevations.